This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 151-151 of the Laravel News Podcast. We're so glad to have you here hanging out with us on air. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Honey Badger, today. Honey Badger is for monitoring all of your errors that come in uh, unexpectedly, of course, because we're really good programmers around here, but errors still happen. So when they do, Honey Badger is going to be there to catch them and tell you all about them. Michael, how's it going, my friend? Going well, going well. Uh I, uh, you may notice that I'm at a higher vantage point today. Mm-hmm, I indeed. got my I have new, noticed. new standing desk last week, which I hadn't set up when we recorded uh, North and South yet. It was sitting in, in boxes on the floor, but uh, got it all together on Sunday night. Ended up going to bed at like 1am because I had to slow down once the kids went to sleep and go quietly. So I just I just put mm-hmm, out a, a mm-hmm. tweet. I... I posted a horrific photo of the underside of my desk because it was so late at night. I just kind I of like plugged everything in and it was just like cables everywhere. So I have just this morning finished properly cabling my desk with the cable management rails and, and all that kind of stuff. So everything's cable tied and tucked away and nice and tidy. So there's like one cable, which is just the power cable from the power board going to the wall now. Um, so it's good. I haven't um, I only just got this, but I, I had like one of those tabletop standing desks when I was at my last job and you know I would stand for hours at a time but it's been eight months right, now yep. nine months since I was at that job and He's like, yeah you're probably fever tired now my my stamina was gone like the first day I thought yeah I remember doing this it's easy so I stood mm-hmm. from like 8 30 until mm-hmm. 12 30 and I thought whoo I gotta I gotta sit here so it's I good. remember it's nice. every year when I would come back from summer and I would have to start teaching again oh my gosh those cables are terrible Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm back. Um, but I remember every <laughs> summer when I'd come back from um, from summer break and then start teaching again, I'd just stand all day. And yeah, mm-hmm. for the first two weeks, probably your back would just be like, it wasn't like a sore, like, oh, I hurt my back. It was a sore, like I'm using muscles I haven't yeah, used in three exactly months. Right. And that, that sore. And so I remember just being miserable. I'd be so tired every day I would get home just because it's like it was like a workout to stand all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's great for core strength, though. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Good stuff. It's good just it to, to use it all is. those I things, especially after more. sitting for so long, now being upright. Yes. And uh, it's good. I've, I, uh, I had, most of you don't know this, I had a, a little day surgery uh, a couple of weeks ago and I went and got the, the all clear from that so I can get back into things. I haven't really done any exercise, I haven't been in the gym since June. Kids got sick. Mum got sick. I got sick. You know, we all got sick, and then mm, we yeah, we had a times. we went into a lockdown uh, because we had some coronavirus in in my state. So that then went for you know seven days or whatever, and as a result, I just fell out of the groove because that was six weeks not not being at the gym, um, and mm-hmm. then we got you know we got into the thicker winter. It got cold, and I just couldn't be bothered. So. I said to, yep, to my lovely wife, Monday, come hell or high water, I'm going back to the gym. So I went for a run yesterday, took the kids in the pram. Um, haven't done it since April. They've both put on some weight since then and, and pushing yeah, the, right. the pram uphill uh, at the start of the run was a bit <laughs> of a challenge. I'm like, you know, oh, all, awesome. all these things adding up. So it's good. It's good. How about, how's things with you? You Kids are back at school. Good, summer's good. over. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. We actually had a um, 
an 80s fun run today for our uh, work. So we put this on. We sponsor uh, or we raise money for the Ronald McDonald House, which is Mm -hmm. parents can go to stay there with their kids are in the hospital and stuff. We've benefited greatly from the Ronald McDonald House. Mm -hmm. And so we're raising money for that. And uh, so we had uh, this fun run. And so we had races for, for kids from three all the way up to like adults. And uh, so, yeah, that was really fun. My three-year-old was in first place. Nice. He was booking it first place. And mm-hmm. then, or sorry, my four-year-old. And then he he stepped into a hole and oh, fell. No. Oh, no. Is he all right? Poor kid. Poor kid. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. He got back up and kept going, which I was happy about because I thought good. he was going to start crying. Mm-hmm. But he didn't cry. And he got second. He he gained a spot back. So he's he was good. So all good. And then my... um. Six-year-old got first place. My eight-year-old got second place, and my ten-year-old got first place in their races. Nice. So it was pretty fun. Beautiful. Yeah, good. so it was good. They were like my ten-year-old was like full-out sprint, like the whole <laughs> way. I was like, dude, you are going to die. Pace you yourself, are going yeah. to die. And he mm-hmm. was, yeah, he was dead by the time he got back. So they're all in bed and sleeping soundly. They uh, were all exhausted today. So yeah, it was great. Had a, had a good day with that. Perfect. But you had said at the top of the show that uh, we're going to keep this one. I know I'm you you say never say it because whenever you say it, it jinxes us. So I'm not gonna mm. say it, but we're just gonna get right into things, shall we? Let's do it. Laravel eight dot fifty nine was released with a whole he whole host of convenience methods disallowing class morphs, um merging defaults to validate an input's quiet model, factory creation, and more. So first up here, Toby Zerner contributed a where morph two and an all where morph two methods on the eloquent builder. Not much to add. To that you can just say where morph to, uh, where, where or where morph to. So this is where you would previously do like a where and then the the morphable name or the polymorph name. Now you can just give it the name of the key. So instead of going subject underscore type subject underscore ID, you can just say where morphed to subject comma and then the model, and you don't have to worry about digging into those um, extra methods and and you know tying yourself up if you ever rename those columns for example you've got to go and, and and change all of your queries to to accommodate so kudos to toby for that one um and and also with morphs we had a contribution from oliver nibro which is a new flag uh, a new prevention flag for models that disallows morphs without a morph map so if you have a relation colon colon enforce morph map method uh, pass it an array user arrow and then the name of the model when a model does not have a morph map registered, a class morph violation exception will be thrown. So this is all about enforcement of the the mapping. So by default, Laravel will take the the class name, so app models user as the as the morph name. But it's it's coming more common now, especially with some of the recent additions to the framework to enforce mapping. So instead of having that that class path in your database, you've got a, a, a key like user or subject or post or whatever just makes it easier to query if you want to if you've ever tried to like query a, a model name sometimes you'll find that you get no yes. results because you have to like escape the slashes and things like that right exactly and and if you're backslashes yeah and or if you've got external processes running or other applications that need to talk to the database that aren't aware of your laravel models it's easier just to have these keys referenced in there and it's it's easier to work with so um, this is about enforcement to of those things. You yeah, should have mentioned too. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Mohammed Hajj contributed a merge method to merge items to validated inputs. So where you may have uh, previously done this in like a form request or, or done some kind of array mapping and things like that or array merge to add things into your validated input. Now when you do a validator make, 
when you run your validation, you can then do a validator arrow safe to get all of the, the safe fields, the fields that have been validated and, and dropping off everything else and then arrow merge. And so if you wanted to have like an endpoint that creates a user, which implicitly creates a user of a specific type. So in this case, the role of admin will be automatically applied to that. And that will handle any cases where someone's like passing in invalid input or trying to, um, you know, compromise your application by, by setting themselves up as an admin user. By merging, you will actually override those values and, and set your explicit default. So that's a, that's a cool contribution there from Muhammad. Next up, Tom Witkowski contributed an each method, which is similar to first on the assertable JSON um, class to assert on each element of the current JSON object. So this is uh, in your applications where you're doing some, uh, in your tests, if you're doing like an assert JSON uh, or assert has or anything like that, when you pass your closure into that method, you get an assertable JSON instance back for that item. And then you can call um, methods on that. So you could do, you know, assert um, JSON has, and then pass it a closure. And then you can perform operations on that internal item. So this is adding an each. So if you have an array, for example, you could iterate over each item of that array using the assert assertable JSON each method. And it's just, again, those, um, those convenience features, those quality of life improvements, especially in testing, we're starting to see a lot of that coming into the, the framework as well. So thanks to Tom for that one. And lastly, in the, in the high points for this one, Taylor Otwell, the creator of Laravel, contributed a create one quietly and a create many quietly method for model factories that can create one or many models and persist them to the database without model events. So by default, when you call on your model, say user colon colon factory arrow create, that will run a database query, but it will also fire model events into your application. And if you're trying to see the database for testing, if you're creating like 10 records or 20 records or 100 records, firing all those events and things and listening to those events, um, it, it can can add, you know, blow out the time that your test takes to run. So using the create one quietly, the create many quietly methods does that without firing those methods, uh, th those events into your application. So that makes things a little bit quicker in terms of actually scaffolding out, scaffolding out your test and then being able to get results back. Uh, and it just makes that red, green refactor recycle a lot quicker. So kudos to that. That is, that is the, uh, that's what we've got here. Uh, but you can read the complete list of new features and updates in the diff below, uh, not below, in the show notes. They will be. You can find them there. Very nice. There is also a post about enforcing morph maps in Laravel. So this is what you had basically pontificated on a little bit when you when you talked about that enforcing for uh, morph maps uh, that Oliver had contributed. Mm -hmm. So Aaron uh, Francis, our good friend Aaron Francis, who we've had over on our other podcast to talk about all the cool stuff he's working on. I wrote up a blog post just to talk about what are exactly morph maps, what are the benefits of morph maps, and what are the benefits of enforcing a morph map. So he talks through all those different things. So if Michael, when he was talking about that, it just went right over the top of your head. This is a great article to take a look at. It's just a little tutorial, essentially. Eh, I don't know if it's a tutorial. Eh, is it news? I'm not sure. What is it? I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a good FYI. It's a tutorial, it's a I good guess. good learning yeah. yeah, tutorial, I suppose, right? And on, on why you would use these particular technologies and how you utilize those. So mm -hmm. there you go. So moving on to 8.61 then. Let's start at the very top here. We've got a new delete or fail model method. 
So class Ogner contributed a delete or fail method that makes it more convenient to handle model delete errors and less verbose than checking the return value of delete. So if you were to call model and then call arrow delete, the way that that would send back to you if it was successful or not is it would send back a truthy value, a Boolean true or false, right? So if you wanted to... Um, I think it returns the number of something rows deleted. deleted. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. Yep, it'll give you back the number of rows. That were I did deleted. not look at the. I did not look at the pull request. That's mm. possible. So it, that's what it would do. So maybe it would return a zero in the case that mm-hmm. delete it, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There you go. And so with this, you can just say model delete or fail, and what it'll do in that case, it'll say yes, it deleted, or if it did not, it would throw an exception. And so now you can wrap that with a try catch instead of having to check it yourself. It just throws an exception. I think this probably goes along with what was talked about maybe a couple of weeks ago, where the update method I think would throw an exception as well, instead of having to check for a truthy value, mm. um, like a true or a false. I think we talked about this just Possibly. maybe as the last episode even. Yeah, maybe it's 8.58 that we talked about this. So in any case, uh, kind of going along with that. Okay, R- RVX Lab contributed a assert model exists. I suppose that should be an assert model exists testing method to test whether a model exists in the database. So um, Taylor Otwell also added a assert model missing method. So assume that you might have a product and you say find one uh, in your test. Right? So you say like, here's the product I have. And then you try and do a delete. And then you just say assert model exists dollar sign product. So you just pass it in the eloquent model that you had earlier up on in your test. And it'll, pro- it'll just probably, I'm assuming it just uses the ID mm. uh, to check to see if that exists in your database. Um, so a certain model exists or a certain model missing rather than having to say a certain database has, and then passing in the name of the uh, model mm. and then ID equals, and then the model ID that you had earlier up in your test, just a certain model exists, a certain model missing. So a convenient little helper. Same kind of, same kind of issue there. as those morph maps where your tests then have to have knowledge of the database names. Or of the table names. Yeah, great. Great. Good point. Sure. Um, assert database missing, you can actually pass the model name. So if you go like, if you're trying to say assert database missing or assert database has mm-hmm. user, you can pass user colon colon class as a reference Perfect. to your user model. And that'll work rather than having to know what the table name is. User's and that, table. you know, yeah. that decouples your test from your database structure a little bit as well. Then moving back to 8.60, because you might have noticed we skipped from 8.59 to 8.61. The only new feature of Laravel 8.60 was contributed by Italo, which is a value or fail method, which gets a single columns value from the first result of a query or throws an exception. So maybe you've had before where you do something like um, grab me this user and then grab me the first vote that they have and then get me the value of that value of the, of that column, right? Um, and so it basically is first or fail votes, which is like, grab me that thing, and then arrow votes. So grab the column then. So now what you can do is you can say, grab me the value or fail, and then you just pass the name of the column that you're looking for, and it will grab the first result and grab that value or throw an exception. So it's just it makes it a little bit less uh, cumbersome to do those 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 couple pieces there. Uh, kind of wraps it up conveniently into a nice little value or fail method, which I will have my guys use this all the time because we mm-hmm. do this. We constantly have this mm-hmm. uh, first, and then you know, and then arrow, and then grab this other thing, and then check to see if it's null or check to see if it exists. Now you can just do value or fail. Really nice. Okay, Tim McDonald also contributed a new update where tests can utilize the null logger. 
this is on pull request 38785. I'm not exactly sure what the um what the big difference was here, honestly. Um uh, maybe I can come back to it after I've had a chance to read through it. Um but any case, you can do it. There's now also a, um, this was contributed by Tim Fevens, contributed a dash dash policy flag, which is also included uh, with the dash dash all flag while creating a method. So when you are, sorry, not a method, when you're creating a model. So right now you can do PHP artisan make model and uh, you can do things like migrations and seeds and all that. And with this now you can say make colon model dash dash policy. And that'll also create a policy for whatever the model is that you're making. So like, for example, you'd say make colon model post dash dash policy. But mm-hmm. say, okay, go ahead and create the post model and go ahead and create the policy as well. Now, if you do dash dash all, it will create the migration, the factories. And now also it will include the policy for you when you when you pass that dash dash all flag. So good job on that, Tim Fevens. Uh, that is it. That is for 8.60 and 8.61. Really? Okay. We've got a big release next here, big, Michael. Big, big. What do we got? So this is the, the last of our release news updates. Livewire is getting a lot of quality of life improvements in the latest 2.6 release. This is the biggest Livewire release since version 2 dropped at, uh, I guess it was Laracon in uh, last year, right? Laracon summer last yeah. year? Mm-hmm. Yep. This release is extra special because the majority of these updates were completely powered and driven by the community. Special shout out to Josh Hanley for developing basically half of all of these things and helping out with most of them. The full release notes and links to every feature fix and PR is included. We're going to hit the high notes because there's a lot of stuff here. So let's jump in. We have a new boot lifecycle hook, deep model data binding, which piques my interest. We have wireable objects. Array-targeted loading indicators warn when multiple root elements are present. Private methods and props available via this. Custom wire loading delay durations. Multiple paginator support. Goodness, this goes on and on. Support with redirect with. Cleaner query strings. Browser back button cache config. Blade component layout love. Support for union types. Support adding removing public properties on deploy. Support daytime immutable and carbon immutable. And that is it. That is a lot of stuff. Oh, that's all. That's all it is. Just, just all it is. It's just all I mean, it is. each one of those has at least like three paragraphs underneath it too. Mm. Yeah. So it's not like it's like it took me a bit of scrolling. Like a quick... It took me a bit of scrolling to get yeah, past totally. the, the headings for each other. So Caleb Porzio, who is the author, the creator of Laravel Livewire, has put this together. I didn't do it justice, Caleb. I'm sorry about that. But there no, is a lot to go in here. And if you would like to know more about this new release, do check out the post. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. And hey, yeah, any there's time, some really, really nice anytime, stuff. Anytime, yeah, anytime, anytime you are making huge changes to your application like this, your code may end up with errors. Even code that is written by an amazing developer such as yourself. And when those errors happen, it's nice to know mm-hmm. that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and checking monitoring into a single, easy to use platform. I'll send you alerts in real time with all the context you need to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. If you check out honeybadger.io, you'll find out how Star, Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because as a self-funded business, they only answer to you, the developer, 
rather than venture capital overlords. And you know what? I love Honey Badger. I was sitting having my lunch the other day and I got all of these notifications hit Slack because one of my applications, it was running on Vapor. So I assume Vapor just had a... But um, yep. it just said, could not find um, any any commands in the Vapor namespace. And uh, so I got a whole bunch of alerts and then they all fixed themselves up. But I knew that it had happened and that's the key thing because it prompted me to go look. So definitely check out honeybadger.io. Become the DevOps hero your business deserves. Thanks, Honey Badger. The DevOps hero you are born to be. Hey, folks, we've also got, uh, as we transition into the packages section here, this is a pretty cool one. This is rich text for Laravel. So if you've ever used the Tricks editor, which is the Basecamp, um, like full, what is it? WYSIWYG. It's the Basecamp sort of WYSIWYG. Yeah, thank you. Text editor. Uh, and so I think that Laravel Nova uses this. Um, it's really, really excellent and works wonderfully. But some of the times when you're going to use it, you have to follow like a tutor- tutorial to figure out how you set it up it's easy to integrate into the front end, but then how do you store it in the back end? And then how mm. do you retrieve it out of the back end? How do you query for those, uh, to do like full text search across those? And how do you display it? And how do you handle attachments? And how do you, all those things, right? All those things mm. that you have to figure out. Now you don't have to figure those out anymore because Rich Text Laravel integrates the Tricks Editor with Laravel. Uh, and it's inspired by the Action Text gem from Rails. So here's what it provides. Everything necessary to store, create, and update rich text with the Tricks Editor. So it has a database schema design to make it easy to associate rich text with models. It handles images, attachments, and uploads. It has support for Tricks content attachments. It retrieves content objects such as attachments and links. And it has plain text rendering. So it's flexible in that you can use it in the recommended way or you can use it in a more lightweight way that uh, allows you to store rich text on any modal or sorry, not any model, any model. So you don't have to give it it's a separate table. You could just say, this is just going to be a column on an existing model, throw it in there, no problem. Uh, so you can use the provided package database structure where all rich content is stored outside the model with associated rich content. Or you can use the packages as rich text content trait to cast a rich content field onto any model, which is a really nice way to do it. Uh, so they've got some code in here talking about how you could do each one of those two options. Uh, really simple, really nice. The next time I need to integrate tricks, I'm going to do this because I feel like it's always like a day long thing mm-hmm. to try and remember how to do it. Right. Unless you're using again, like Laravel Nova, Laravel Nova just kind of handles it for you. Um, but, uh, this is pretty nice. So very, very cool. Thank you for whoever it was that made this. I'm going to go look cause it doesn't have it. Tony S M Tony. Good on you. Good on you. Tony, Tony, Tony. All right. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it, man. Next up, we have, mm, is this going to be a trick trick name? Kagilo, Kajillo, Kayio is a set of open source Blade components for the Laravel framework. The package doesn't require a CSS framework or JavaScript resources to function and provides the following components. You have an alerts component for working with Laravel session flashing, a device component, which gives you the ability to hide or show depending on the user's device or user agent. You have an error component, which is an easy to way Easy way to work with Laravel's error message bag, an icon component to easily insert SVG files, a logout component to log out users using a safer post request, and a meta component for setting several open graph and meta elements used by social media to provide previews of your content. So there's a whole host of here. These are just blade components that you can use in your application um, instead of having to 
do all of these things per application. Um, every time you do it, you can just use like an x-logout, which will put in your um, logout form. You can use x-meta, which will give you a whole host of open graph for uh, your primary meta tags, your open graph slash Facebook and Twitter tags as well. The documentation can help you get started and has examples for each Blade component, which you can learn more about and get full installation instructions as well as a link to the source code on GitHub in the link in the show notes. Very nice. Next up, we have Crayon, which is an open source CRM built with Laravel. So CRM is a customer relationship management tool and is an app that is built with both Laravel and Vue.js. As a CRM application, Crayon provides complete customer lifecycle management and extensibility using familiar Laravel concepts. You have the ability to convert opportunities into revenue, manage customer interactions, granular access controls, activity management, visual leads with a Kanban style, cards and UI, unlimited custom fields, allows you to manage products and services, contact management, a CRM dashboard, and it allows you to extend everything via plugins. Crane also supports package development, which allows you to extend the CRM using familiar Laravel concepts such as configuration, console commands, controller middleware, and so on. To get started with the application installation, check the installation docs. Crane does require at least 4 gig of RAM and PHP 7.3 or higher. And as a developer, the source code also includes uh, two Docker setups allowing you to develop features using either Docker with PHP 8 or version 7.4. If that is something of interest to you, you can learn more about the app, get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub. We'll have a links to that in the show notes. Very nice. Next, we have Laravel API response helpers. So if you've been developing an API, you may have felt this challenge of how do I make sure that I get consistent API responses throughout your Laravel application? So how do you make sure that you're always responding in a way that is going to be an expected way that the person who's consuming it is going to know this is the typical way that they respond and I can count on it being in this format. So that's a challenge. There are sort of standards for doing that. Uh, there's a couple different ones. The ones that I happen to use is JSend, uh, which I think Samantha Geitz mentioned, I don't know, a long time ago, mm-hmm. four or five years ago, something at like Laracon Louisville. Uh, so that's what we use, JSend, pretty sweet. But this uh, Laravel API response helpers gives you the following methods. Response not found, respond with success, respond okay, respond unauthenticated, forbidden, error created, no content. And then what you can pass in is a uh, message or contents. And so then what it does is it sends through the correct HTTP request. So you don't have to remember which one is the correct HTTP request um, or HTTP response code. Uh, and then it also gives you a consistent like JSON payload to send back as well. So if you're developing an API and you struggle with this and this has been a problem for you, definitely check this one out. Laravel API response helpers. This next one, I don't even know if we should do this one. I I haven't heard great. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about this one, Michael? Sounds dodgy. Guy, the person not, that created yeah. it looks uh, looks very suspicious wearing a beanie. I agree. I agree. He, uh, yeah, I don't know. Why don't you tell us about it? We can be the judge. I'll, I'll tell you about it, and then our, our listeners can tell us if they really wanted to hear about it or not. Right, Laravel Defibrillator it. is a package to keep application tasks running at a normal rhythm. It is one that was built by me. Um, oh, Michael! And, and Yay, everybody's Michael. favorite human, Paul Redmond, messaged me, and he said, I think we need to write a post about this. I said, you do what you got to do. But the package was born out of some <laughs> frustration that we had with then ping me where... If the, if the database went away or there was some error or something like that and we got backlogged in processing jobs, we would keep piling on and adding things on. So if there was an error in the application, which triggered a, an exception, which triggered that job to start again, 
and that you know we had this cascading effect where we would keep retrying the errors but we would also keep running our scheduled task which would keep pushing more things onto the queue which would keep erroring so the defibrillator mm-hmm. And I went really far off the deep end in in the naming for this thing. The defibrillator allows you to essentially um, keep tabs on your application to make sure that it has a normal rhythm. If you're expecting something to run every 60 seconds, this will help you make sure that you're doing that every 60 seconds. And what what it does is if you consider a scheduled task that communicates with your application users on a regular interval, that scheduled task is something that queues notifications to our users based on some condition within the application. And in a normal situation, you might have three or four or 10 or 20 or whatever notifications going out and they're dispatched within a few seconds and then it all starts off again in in another minute when your scheduler runs. But an application error causes the application to spiral out of control and queue notifications back up. The database doesn't get updated to know that it's done something. So, you know, where you would flag those notifications as having been sent because there's a lag in in doing that, um, the schedule task runs again and and they try and send again. So suddenly your queue's got tens of thousands of jobs in it and, and you're stuck in a cycle that you can't keep up with. You can throw more processes at it, more workers. You can scale up your um, SQS workers and things like that, but you're still going to have issues. So essentially what this does is within your scheduled task, you can call the defibrillator and say like, does my application have a normal rhythm? You know, have I... And, and essentially what that does is checks to see is there an entry in the cache for this task that is active? Um, and essentially what active means is that it is just storing a timestamp. Is that timestamp in the future? Um, if it's not, what will happen is that you defibrillate your application, which pushes that timestamp out and then returns early from your scheduled task so that it doesn't kick off again, allowing your database the chance to catch up your other queue workers to finish doing what they're doing. If it does have a normal rhythm, then it processes the rest of your job and it defibrillates again and it pushes that that timestamp out. And so keeping this this sort of carrot bouncing along in front of you means you're always chasing that carrot, for lack of a better terminology, I suppose. Um, you can you can determine, you know, should I send your application? Uh, should you send notifications using the defibrillator? Um, you can increase or decrease the the interval between this thing. If you've got a task that runs every 10 minutes, well, you don't want um, your your cache key to be expiring in, in 90 seconds because obviously that's going to cause it to, to not run when it should. So if that's something that's interesting to you, um, I've, I've had this issue come up, as I said, with Venping Me, I had it a number of times at my last job um, where we had different things that would just cascade onto themselves because of, of that issue. So definitely check that out if it's if it's something of interest. If, if the package is useful to you, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Very nice. Thank you, Mr. Dorinda. Yeah, awesome. Love it. All right, we've got a tutorial here written by Chris Fidal. If you don't know Chris Fidal, if that name doesn't sound familiar, this is the server for hackers guy. He's also one of the two dudes that built Chipper CI along with Mr. David Hemphill. And uh, I feel like he also has, does he have a Docker thing too? Yep. Maybe he has a Docker. He's got a Docker course. Okay. He's got a whole bunch of stuff out Docker there. Docker course. He's got all sorts of stuff. So um, Chris has been working with AWS professionally, quote unquote, since about 2015. And he talks through in this blog post a lot of the different mistakes that he's made over time. There's, there's so much to know about AWS that it's really easy to miss like important pieces about it. And so he goes through a collection of the most commonly missed things 
when using AWS with Laravel Forge. Um, so he talks first about CPU credits and how you can cost yourself more or less based on which size, which server size you're using, T2, T3, T4G, uh, and how these CPU credits work. So for example, the T3 small server size gains 24 credits per hour for a max of 576 credits. However, if you go 20% above CPU usage, you start using CPU credits in addition to the cost that it would cost you. Um, yeah, luckily the cost is generally low, so you might not even notice the increase on your bill, but it's best not to leave your server running uh, at that at that speed, at that pace, right? Uh, so you can monitor your CPU credits and burst usage in the CloudWatch metrics for given instances or with the EC2 control panel under the monitoring tab, or you can use Vapor. There you go. Um, so not using cheaper servers. Uh, so he's saying uh, using the cheaper instance might not always mean that it's better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right, exactly. And so he talks about what are the best ones to use. So he says that the newer, there's the newer T4G instance types. These use ARM processors and are generally the cheapest. The CPUs are fast, but the ARM CPUs are cheaper in general. And so AWS passes that savings off to you. And they work great on Forge. So he highly recommends those. Uh, ignoring IOPS. Uh, so more. this is a pernicious mistake. Uh, not checking IOPS usage. This is input-output, uh, I believe, processes. Yeah, hitting disk volume limits. Um, it's not a super obvious thing. But it's similar to hitting CPU, like bursts. Hitting disk limits is, is really easy to do when you're running your database on the same server. Uh, so that's something to check out and think about, and he talks about that. GP2 volumes um, is a recommendation. GP3 volumes he talks about in here as well. And then he has what metrics you should be watching to know if you're using your disk too much or how to follow those metrics in CloudWatch. Or if you have uh, been watching Mr. Dorinda, you could look at and throw some of that stuff into Grafana, which is pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Michael's got some pretty freaking sweet dashboards out there that he's built in Grafana. And so uh, you can learn about that on a blog post that he wrote up and he's got that linked in his Twitter too. Maybe you can put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So in any case, uh, it's just some interesting things to be looking at here. If you're a Forge user and uh, you think this, uh, you know, and you're using AWS as your server provider of choice, this would be something worth spending a little bit of time looking through. Perfect. All right. Perfect. All right. The last thing we have here, the last thing, Laravel Fluent is a package by Boris Lepikin that provides an expressive way to define your model attributes. The package automatically builds casts at runtime and it gives you native auto-completion of model properties. Uh, so this is using a Fluent trait and it supports all native PHP types and Laravel primitive casts. So you can define these things using uh, attribute syntax, so PHP 8 attribute syntax and handles casts. It handles um, you know decimals. It allows you to do all the good things that you know and love using um, native class properties rather than the cast array on your Laravel model. Uh, so if you would like that kind of thing, it makes it a lot nicer. As I said at the top there, it gives you a better native auto-completion because you don't have to rely on plugins and things like that to read data out of the cast yeah, array. Casts, You've got real right. properties on your eloquent model so you've got the the detection of you know whether it's a collection or if it's a float or it's an integer like you get that proper completion within your editor and then because your editor will know for example that you have a collection cast 
that you can access the collection methods directly and you get the type ahead and the auto completion, all of that good stuff. So definitely check this package out. Um, as I said, it does support all native PHP types and the Laravel primitive casts as well. So thanks to Boris for that one. Nice, nice. All right. Hey, that's everything, man. And so now I can say it at the end of the show, which you were like, hey, let's keep it, let's keep it tight today. So we're a, a tight 38 minutes and 42 seconds. So I think we're doing good. Should we wrap this one up? Let's do it. All right. Episode 151, folks. Show notes can be found at podcast.laravel-news.com slash, is that right? Podcast.laravel-news.com. Yeah. Yep. Slash 50, slash 151. Sorry. Uh, if you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate it up in your podcatcher's tro- choice. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Derrida at Jacob Bennett or at Laravel News if you have questions. And until next time, my friends, we will see ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.